right. Hello, my good friends. Welcome, patriots, truth warriors, freedom fighters, people who are seeking answers and want to investigate what the hell is going on in this crazy world. You're in the right place. My name is David Whitehead, your host, as always. And I have a very fun guest today. We're going to have a great chat. Uh, and I just had a few updates I wanted to go through you real quick before we bring on my guest. Um, so much is going on. I've been pulling late nights, lots of hours on my new documentary series, Cult of the Medics, Chapter 9. I know I say it every time, guys, but this one stretched me to a whole other level of difficulty and overcoming all kinds of challenges and things. But it's been so good, and I think it's going to be well worth the wait. And I can tell you right now, today, what is it, December the 12th? Um, it is absolutely going to be out before the 20th, but probably before then. I just don't want to say for sure because I'm in the last leg of production and I should have that all wrapped by the end of this week. So I'll know more by Thursday. So I will have more updates on specifics and where you can watch it live. We're going to do a live um, viewing party for this chapter. I think it's going to knock your socks off. I'm really excited about it. And uh, so I'll have more updates on that coming really soon. I know you've been patient and I appreciate it. And a big thank you to all of you out there who have supported this documentary series who've donated, that helps me so much uh, so I can keep the production costs uh, going here. And uh, for those who've shared it out, giving me both positive and negative constructive feedback, it's all great and I really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Please go and check it out, cultofthemedics.com. Uh, get caught up on the first eight chapters if you haven't seen them already because chapter nine, it's going to take things to a whole nother level and uh, I'm very excited about it. And I also want to just quickly let you guys know about some of the best ways to support this show, Truth Warrior. Uh, let me just quickly go over to my website. Um, what's this little ad? Yes, here we go. This is what we want to see. So if we go over to my site, dwtruthwarrior.com forward slash shop, I've got all of my sponsors and all the collaborative projects posted there. Check out Rise Attire. Uh, they have made a signature series for the cult of the medics, high quality, really, really cool stuff. These guys are great artists at what they do. And this definitely goes to help support the project as well as get some good conversation, conversation starters for you. Uh, so Christmas is coming guys. And I think there's still some time to get some sent your way. Uh, also give yourself the gift of health. Health is wealth. My friends, we got to be proactive and you can check out my new sponsor, Modere. I really love this company. Their products are incredible. They've got everything for like uh, nutrition, supplements, stuff for your gut health. Their collagen is life-changing. That's what me got, got me on board with this. And they're just a really great company. They make everything in the US, although they do have uh, shipping and whatnot in Canada, US, United Kingdom, European mainland, Australia, Japan, New Zealand, and India. And I've got a little list of some of the products that, products that I already use. They're really, really good. And they give you a discount just for coming from my show over to their site. They'll give you some extra discounts. And uh, they're also doing a lot of Christmas sales and whatnot right now. So go and check those out. Did I miss anything? Oh, yes. I also have my Mighty Warrior collection. We got stuff for kids. So you don't need to go to Amazon or Walmart. You can support independent shows like mine and get some really good quality stuff. I do try to find the best of the best. And it's all over at dwtruthwear.com forward slash shop. All right. 
There is all the technical stuff, guys. I'm really excited for this guest today. His name is Zach Schmidt. He runs a fantastic Canadian podcast. He hails from Saskatchewan, a place that's very dear to my heart. I lived there growing up for many years. Uh, maybe don't miss the cold winters, but I definitely love the people. And uh, he's got a podcast called The Schmidt House Podcast, which he had me on a, a month or so ago, and we had a really great chat. He knows a lot about what's going on in Canada with all these bills that are coming through. Um, we've talked about the trucker convoys. He's even got a few thoughts to share about my guest last time, Zan, Zan up north, which I just want to let you know, I'm going to be doing a part two. It'll probably be the last show of the year on Truth Warrior. That'll be next week. We'll be getting into the question of Canadian sovereignty and all that good stuff. Uh, but Zach, he's a wealth of knowledge. He's a true patriot. He loves freedom. And I'm really excited to have him on. So let's bring him in. There he is, Zach. What's up, man? How you hey. doing? Welcome. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm good. Keeping busy, uh, trying to connect all the dots. And I feel like I want, I'm so glad we have this show in the middle of this series that I'm doing with Zan up north because you have some different perspectives. Uh, you've been looking at this for a long time. Maybe just tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, your podcast, and then we can jump into it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last week was a huge eye-opener for lots of things that I have been kind of noticing for the last little bit. But as far as my show goes, I talk about five main things, culture, politics, entertainment. I do a current events episode once a month, and I also do guest interviews. So I kind of have a little bit of everything. I tell everybody that it might not be for you, though, just because some of the stuff that, you know, like yourself, it doesn't resonate with everybody. It takes some time to crack some of those eggs. And those are the type of conversations that I really do enjoy having with people just because they're not ones that, you know, maybe people feel a little bit alienated talking about this, you know, over when politics comes up at Christmas time or whatnot. You know, I feel that I can provide a little bit of an outlet where people are saying, you know, these are the conversations that I'm not getting. And you're able to almost like converse with someone else just, you know, in your ear, which is one thing that I really do like about podcasts and shows like this. But um, yeah, as far as a little bit of my background goes, so uh, I'm, I'm self-employed, which is awesome because I'm able to be a full-time dad to my kids, which was a huge, huge, um, especially since my kids were born during the era of COVID. So like it's complete shell shock for, for lots of things that we're experiencing. So for me to be able to see what's going on as far as like grooming in schools and, you know, there's tons of different agendas that the government is pushing and stuff. Being able to be a hands-on dad is re was really important. So there was a decision that we made for uh, for our family, and I really do enjoy it. Um, you know, I have a, a business consultant uh, business that I, I work with a couple of different companies just doing some financials and things and whatnot. So uh, that way I can, you know, put food on the table. My wife works for uh, the Saskatchewan government, which, uh, you know, that is I don't hold that against her despite my uh, my points of view on lots of things. But, you know, we, we do what, it, what we can in these crazy times. And I think the one thing that for, for me starting this podcast was to be able to showcase lots of the bad ideas that are out there and try to really expose like yourself the truth of what is really going on, who we should really be putting the target on. And for the most part, that's the the globalists, because uh, that's the root of everything. So I think that kind of kind of gives you a little bit of some of the stuff that I talk about on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I really try to keep it not overtly political, but it ends up going there because that's where pretty much every conversation stems from these days. Yeah, especially now. I mean, it, it, I talked to a lot of other content creators that were in different areas 
of, you know, cooking shows and gardening or whatever. And, and even guys that did like online jujitsu courses and stuff. And all of them are now talking about politics. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's just, it's just the sign of the times. Everybody's wanting to figure out what's going on. And especially living here in Canada. Um, I was born and raised here. I'm sure you were as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Saskatchewan born. I haven't, I haven't lived anywhere else, but Saskatchewan. I spent some time up in Saskatoon when I was playing football and, uh, yeah, I've been in small towns South of Regina my entire life, pretty much. Oh, Regina. Okay, great. Yeah. I lived in Yorkton for many years, Regina for a little bit, traveled out to Saskatoon and I've been all over the country and I love this country, Zach. I know you do too. And so many people in Canada are trying to figure out how do we get out of this mess? I mean, what's going on? We had the convoy. We saw what went down with that. We had the inquiry. We saw what went down with that. You got Trudeau basically going up there, lying through his teeth. No, no problem whatsoever. He thinks he's won the day. He's mm -hmm. out there right now lecturing people on freedoms and rights. And there was like rights and freedoms day. And he has a speech. And then the guy, and it's just like, it's stomach churning to watch this level of hypocrisy, gaslighting. You know, they're laughing behind closed doors. Um, I'm so glad that you are also on to the fact that this isn't just a Canadian political issue where we had a few bad apples get in and we just got to figure out a way to vote them out. You know that this mm -hmm. is a bigger systemic issue that goes probably back to the founding of our country if we were to bring Zen on the show again here. Um, but also it goes into a global picture. This is happening mm -hmm. around the world. Everybody, and I have people that listen from all over the world, wherever you're listening to in your country, you've got your globalist puppets in there doing the same thing, maybe just in a slightly different way as what we're seeing here in Canada. And so maybe just give me a sketch, Zach, of your picture of how Canada fits in to this globalist agenda. Well, I think we are probably, probably the point where all of it is kind of like convening. We're the we're the country that has the most resources. We're the country that has everything that everybody wants. That's why immigration numbers are so high is because people want to live here. But what the globalists can't get around is the American Constitution. So obviously, it was what Zan brought forth last week was really important, kind of exposing just another piece of the puzzle on why Canada is so important. I and mean, Canada not being a sovereign nation really exposes us up to just an extreme amount of um, exploita exploitation from these globalists because they know it's a very easy spot to, to do lots of this stuff. And once it kind of hits, uh, you know, takes over in, en masse in Canada, they can use that as almost like the poster child to spread it everywhere else, right? Um, we pretty much have a communist regime here in Canada um, because, you know, if you see the way that Trudeau acts, it's right out of the uh, the Chinese Communist Party's ha uh, playbook. And realistically, is once they see these dominoes start to fall and here in these Western civilizations, then that's where we're going to see it spread out. So I think Canada has a very important piece to play in all of this, just purely for the fact as we're easy to exploit. Everybody wants to be here. And the, the what their plans on doing, it pretty much can exist here very, very easily, uh, especially if you see the way that our government, our parliament, our constitution, all of that stuff has been set up. It's almost like it was all planned from that from the beginning. Wow, very well surmised. Um, and I, I think you're right. And I think we're seeing that. And when I think of Canada, um, especially after the show I did with Zen, it keeps running through my mind. I've always thought of it as the land and the people, right? That's what really makes up a country. It's an idea. 
kind of like in that gladiator movie when it's like there was an idea that was rome you know you could just whisper it it's like a country is just an idea and it's a set of principles and values that we come together on to agree with so that we can do fair trade with each other that we can be productive that we can um, utilize our natural resources that we can provide freedom and uh, as much equality as, as as nature allows uh in in our country and and yet here we have these infiltrators and these systems that have been set up probably from the beginning that have changed the definition of what a country is legally like on paper versus what the average patriotic Canadian thinks of as Canada. And I just wanted to make that distinction and wonder what your thoughts on that were, is that there's a big difference between the Canada I'm talking about, which is a visionary concept of what a free country could be versus the kind of Canada that Trudeau is talking about, right? Well, I, I mean, Trudeau said that we're the po first post-national nation, you know, so what they've been putting out there uh, it's, I, I said this, uh, I think in one of my more recent episodes, I said, they say the loud part out loud. It's because what we're seeing and what we're expecting them to do behind the scenes, they're actually just doing it in front of our face right now. So it's kind of like the cat's out of the bag and they don't care. There's zero accountability. There's nobody that's actually going to have any type of repercussion. Trudeau can lie uh, on the stand. And I know it's an inquiry, inquiry. It's not an actual court, but he can openly lie and have zero pushback. I think there's one backbencher from the uh, conservatives that put a tweet out that said he lied in this inquiry, but nobody actually brought that up in the House of Commons. So the entire thing is just co-opted in my mind. Yeah, you're right. It's just incredible. But I still don't believe it's beyond saving. I'm not in the camp of people, although I do understand them and I have no judgment. And maybe you're totally right of the people that are packing up. Uh, I just and leaving the country, basically. I, I, I can't go. That's just not where I am. But I do understand where people are at. I do not blame them based on what we're seeing. I think that actually in the bigger picture of things, whether we're talking Canada or anywhere, humanity is getting a vision of the truth that we've never seen before on so many different issues. I mean, look at the amount of scams that are just coming out and are now publicly being discussed. We've got the Twitter files going on right now. We've got all this stuff coming out about what really went down with Ukraine, the FTX scandals, the election fraud scandals, the inquiry, the pandemic scan, like all this stuff is really starting to come out. People like us have been researching it a while, but what do you think, Zach? Do you feel like in your neck of the woods, and the people you're talking to, are more people waking up to this stuff? Are more people tuning into your podcast? Or do you feel like we still have a lot of work to do? What do you think? I, I think it's kind of a combination of both. I mean, when you go shopping, even around a place like Regina, there's a, an abnormal amount of masks that people are still wearing of what I would have expected. Uh, what would it be? Almost eight months after they removed all of the restrictions. So you still see people that are so, so stuck in the matrix, so stuck in the PSYOP that it's incredibly tough to break. And then there's another camp of people where they're almost afraid to kind of buck that system. They're afraid to actually start speaking out. And that's where, again, like I, I like to use my podcast as an example is like, if you are having these ideas, you can turn to something like this and actually have uh, someone in your ear who's, you know, thinking along the same lines as you. And I think that's important when we're trying to set up almost a line of rebellion against what the mainstream media and what the the mainstream narrative is. And I think that's kind of like the white pill moment. Like you said, uh, I think that it's it's not ignorant to say that people shouldn't be thinking about leaving Canada. But there's also a point of uh, 
inflection point where you have to put as much fight up as possible. And the truckers were one thing that did that. But as far as being able to white pill people, what you and Zan talked about last week, kind of if if that can kind of have a trickle down effect as far as what, uh, you know, a politician bringing it up in the House of Commons or it being a mainstream idea, it will pave the road for something so much incredibly better and bulletproof to all of the problems that we're having. And I think that uh, I'm not sure about what uh, what BC has as far as a separatist movement, but in Saskatchewan, we have a party called the Buffalo Party. Um, and we both have we both have talked to Mark Friesen and I pushed back on on his perspective on the Buffalo Party. He said that separation should be the last like the last thing, a last resort. And I said that should be the first thing, because I think that we are in the West here are so incredibly strong that we don't need whatever Ottawa has going on. But it's good that we do have at least a party that down the road will look at something like what Zan brought up. And say that we aren't a sovereign nation. We haven't ever been a sovereign nation. And it'll pave the road to be able to have provincial sovereignty so much more than what Danielle Smith and Scott Moe are proposing in such a tangible way that it'll it'll resonate. You know, as far as the truckers sent a message to the entire world, Canada saying that we are leaving the crown, we are setting up, we are actually becoming Canada or maybe it's a Western Canada, whatever the case may be, it will resonate out with the entire world to where we can say, okay, we don't need centralized banking. We don't need these non-government, these non-elected people telling us what to do. And I think that that is one point. And I think that is one point that Canadians should be able to realize and unite and say, this is what we actually want because it's for the betterment of everybody. Yeah, good points. And I'm, I'm, I wonder what your thought is. I wanted to ask you about Scott Moe. Uh, maybe that'll pull into some of the other aspects of what you brought up there with the sovereignty aspect. But Scott Moe, when I first saw the pandemic rolling out and all the stuff going through, I was shocked to see how many conservative premiers in Canada didn't just tag along, but were actually some of the worst tyrants. I would say Jason Kenney was probably worse than Scott Moe. Uh, Doug Ford, definitely one of the champions of that. Uh, of following all the rules coming from these top level globalists. But, you know, Scott Moe, he was really, really, really on board in the beginning. And then he seems to have slowly drifted away from what I've seen. I haven't followed it closely, but I wondered what's your, what, what was your impression of Scott Moe as a politician? Do you look at him as a guy who is just another plant or do you see some hope with him that maybe he just went along in the beginning, like everybody else. And now is getting some more information. Same with people like Danielle Smith. I mean, if I were to speak to, you know, other people that are more online of what Zen was breaking down, they would say, no, they're all shills. They're all blocking. But I also see progress, right? Maybe we can't just go from where we're at all the way to a sovereign nation, you know, uh, in one step. So there needs to be some steps along the way. So just your thoughts on that, Scott Moe, the, the conservative party. Um, and then, you know, do you see value in, the separatist movement in Danielle Smith and whatnot, even though they're not going all the way down the rabbit hole of Canadian sovereignty. Okay. So I'm going to answer this in kind of reverse. So I want to talk about Danielle first. So what Danielle has done in her short tenure as premier of Alberta has caused Scott Moe to change his tune on lots of things. Scott Moe has been a follower from the get-go. He has been someone that his only resistance to Ottawa is sending strongly worded letters. And that doesn't work because they're going to hit Trudeau's desk and that guy's illiterate. He can't actually read that stuff. So it doesn't really matter 
what strongly worded letters he sends Ottawa, they're not actually going to have any effect. And that was his strategy for the past six years. Okay. Now, when we're looking as far as what like the COVID response was, he was again, uh, he was reading polls and basing everything that he did off of that, whatever was popular. But where is he, where is he taking these polls? The, the urban centers of Saskatoon and Regina, right? So where you're having highly new Democrat, uh, the NDP parties influence in those things. But if you, if you look at what he was getting from, from the rural people, where people, like if you go to a small town Saskatchewan, odds are they weren't actually falling in line with lots of the health measures. Or at least it was so loosely where people would basically have it on their chin and not even care. You know what I mean? The, uh, referring to a mask. But there's lots of those things. And it wasn't until the truckers went to Ottawa where Scott Moe actually changed his tune. So he is someone that is just he's he's, you know, feeling out the wind. He's seeing where the wind's blowing and that's going to guide him as far as what he's doing. He never talked once about any type of sovereignty act as far as uh, what it meant for Saskatchewan or separation. He said he was outright against it. But now Danielle Smith is able to put on this pressure. Now, I'm not 100 percent sold on her. She's too fresh to be to be kind of commenting on what we're actually going to see from them. And they have an election coming up in the springtime, I, I think, uh, where the NDP, I think the UPC just, uh, or the UCP, uh, just surpassed the NDP. So you might actually have a Rachel Notley situation because their urban centers outrank the rural. In Saskatchewan, we're the opposite. We have a lot more rural population that can actually influence it. And if you look at the record of the Buffalo Party, which is, again, our separatist party here in Saskatchewan, what they were able to do last election after basically only being a party for, I think, less than a year, um, came in third place behind the NDP and the SAS party. But they actually beat some of the NDP uh, people, uh, can, uh, the NDP people running in certain ridings. Uh, I think there's about four or five of them. So like that is just uh, what they're able to do within a year. You give them four more years to the next election. We're going to see the the rural vote really stick it to Scott Moe. Now, do I think that these people are puppets? I wouldn't outright say that. I think there are some people that get into politics with good intentions. I just unfortunately don't think Scott Moe was one of them. I think lots of the people within the SAS party are feckless. Uh, they don't want to break chain. Whatever Scott Moe says is what is going to happen as far as support from the party. So it's a really interesting situation when we're seeing lots of the people in the streets saying one thing and the politicians are not listening and and uh, doing the complete opposite. You're going to see come election time, at least here in rural Saskatchewan, people are going to vote differently. Well, that's actually really good to hear. And I guess I didn't consider that that Alberta has more of the, I guess, the the city dwellers, that's to say, and then less rural and then Saskatchewan, it's reversed. So Saskatchewan might actually be a better place to start something like this. And yeah, then the I think Saskatchewan party... will be the one to turn the tides as far as the separation goes. It won't. Alberta is very strong because the people in rural have that sentiment. Right. The people in Saskatchewan just haven't realized it yet. But once they do, that is going to be a hard thing to, to put back in the box. Right. And that's think about that. Both Saskatchewan and Alberta, for those tuning in from elsewhere, that's your farmers. That's your oil guys. Those are the people that they're all the wealth and all the resources, all of it comes from the Western Canada. Right. So, and in British Columbia, there's a lot too. I, it's the issue with British Columbia with that kind of a thing is we have zero unity here uh, on that. It's way more divided than other provinces. A lot of lefties up here, a lot of NDP, a lot, and a lot of people default to NDP just because they, they don't like the liberals, but they're still 
you know, very socialistic minded. They're not really interested in having a truly free economy. Um, so they're because it's just education. This is just people weren't educated like that, you know. So we have a big battle here in BC. There, although there are a lot of gr good groups, there's a lot of headway with Bonnie Henry. Uh, there's some cases going to be starting real soon. We're going to try to hold her feet to the fire. We'll see where it goes. But in the end, um, whether any of these things actually come to fruition, I'm always trying to put my finger on the pulse of where the public is at, like where the where Canadians are at, and so. That's where that next part comes in is with waking people up. And you know, is, it, is it growing in popularity in Saskatchewan, the Buffalo Party, uh, these alternative parties that are moving away from the mainstream? Do you see that tide starting to turn? Uh, that's a that's a really tricky question, because um, the where you're going to get lots of this information from is largely going to be have that urban bias. So it's hard to get a feel from that other than just basically talking to people, which I try to do. Uh, you know, I was even at at Costco uh, the other day and some guy was wearing a Trump hat and I just walked up to him and started having a conversation because I'm like, this might be one of my people, you know. So I just had a conversation with them. And it's like there's so many things that I obviously was able to directly agree with uh, with that person. But, you know, then you're walking the mall and you see a group of, of blue haired people and you're just like, you know what their ideology is, too. So it's really hard to gauge that. And that's why I think like come election season is when those ideas can be brought forth, because it's going to be really hard to ignore it when the Buffalo Party all of a sudden has a lot of support and a lot of donors uh, in like the in the rural areas. And you put them on a on a debate stage in front of, you know, a couple, even a hundred people in a small town, that's going to have a lot bigger uh, message as far as what the people actually think is, is when you see the support, when people are going back and forth. And I think like I tell this to everybody, I think the time to be politically engaged is now. And it's not just all of a sudden that, you know, the month for the election season that we have, it's noticing things that are going on in your, in your town or your city or your neighborhood and trying to enact change. Um, you know, recently, I started I started volunteering for a rec board around town. So I'm flooding flooding our town rink and stuff like that. It's doing little things like that to connect with people. And lots of the people that are, that are around my small town are farmers. So I'm able to ask them, you know, how was your how was your uh, harvest this year? Are you getting killed with fertilizer prices? Are you getting killed with diesel prices? So it's like that's just like it's not like you're going to blow them away with you know you should vote buffalo party here's you know here's how you sign up here's how you donate money that's not going to resonate with people but it's slowly like just doing little conversations here and there seeing the same people and saying you know do you really support what's going on no okay well who'd you vote for last time okay have things gotten better since you've made that vote right you get people uh around i've come from a fairly liberal town believe it or not but as far as what uh some people do is like i voted blue my entire life you know or i asked my dad who to vote for and he said vote for blue right so you're seeing lots of people that are just that that uh vote like that and i think it's just time that we take a look and say okay that hasn't worked let's take a look at something different yeah that's right and i guess that means your role and my role and people that do alternative media our role in canada specifically is going to be really huge as this all starts to unfold because that is the biggest challenge isn't it i mean where do people go to get their opinions and have their their opinions about the world downloaded into their brains they go to the media which we know where their allegiances lie we know who their top investors are we know where they're getting their money and we know who these people are it's a clown show 
It's fake news. It's all prepped and designed to appeal to your emotional brain and not allow you to have any logical independent thinking. And so if we're sitting here trying to say, guys, they're slowly destroying our country. They're taking the value away from our dollar. You see the drug, you know, we're trying to inform them as to why that is. Um, and it's such a long conversation to have when we don't necessarily have that kind of time. So I guess we have to turn our ability to message properly and counter that mainstream media. We got to get better at that and be more eloquent. And I love that you're getting down into the ice rinks. You're talking to the parents. You're talking to the farmers. I'm trying to do the same thing as well. And I think that's the key is that maybe there isn't necessarily a big giant political solution at the federal level in this country. Maybe it's only going to start from these grassroots, small town, rural centers of people that we just have to get in the game. We haven't even been in the game. Most people don't even know there's a game being played. And so we just got to get in the game, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, lots of that stems from uh, I talk about Jordan Peterson on my podcast a lot. And rule number six is uh, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. And I take that message quite personally, because if you're trying to change the federal government, you're one person going up against Canada's population of 40 million. Right. If I'm trying to change Saskatchewan, there's 1.2 million people living here. But if I'm trying to change my small town, which has less than 300 people, I can actually cause change there and make it for the better. Right. I don't want my kids having teachers that are going to groom them. Right. So I'm going to make sure that I am participating in town council meetings I'm participating in the school board meetings so that I can make sure that my kids, when they go to that school, aren't going to have access to those those criminals right and that i think is, is a really important step that lots of people can do it's not hard to go volunteer to help better your community right but so many people and i especially think in the last uh, three years with covid have taken a step back and saying this isn't my responsibility i don't have to care about other people and that is all honestly why you see such a high uh increase in uh, drug overdoses mental health problems suicide and the government is aiding and abetting all of those bad bad effects from from like this pandemic and and spill over from things that were before then so it's really i think it's like we need to make a a conscious decision on some level of personal responsibility that people want to actually have for their community for their province for their country and i think more people that are willing to do that that's how you're going to have a change in the federal government where we're not going to have to listen to these unelected, unaccountable foreign entities that are institu instituting their goals of sustainable development in our everyday life. And I think that's something that people need to kind of wake up to and just be a little bit more aware of and saying the time for doing nothing is done. I'm going to start taking a little bit more personal responsibility. Oh, I love it, man. I love that you brought it into personal responsibility. That's where it all starts and ends. Uh, and everybody's got to do it. And you know what? We don't even need everybody. We just need a small, empowered minority of people, a small fringe minority with acceptable views that's passionate, motivated, educated, has a plan, working together. And, uh, you know, we can get a lot done. Um, what's you, you wanted to talk about some of these bills. And I think some of these bills, I can't remember all the num numbers and names of them, but there's bills that are going to be giving people like you and I a problem when it comes to creating content in Canada. Um, there's uh, the bills that are, it's the, we have basically open promotion of euthanasia by the government, which is just the way they're going about it is absolutely disgusting. We've got all this stuff with, you were mentioning the grooming programs in school and the indoctrination and um, 
you know, the, there's just so many of these things that are coming through in legislation right now. I can think off the top of my head of some of the things in BC where we had that father who uh, lost complete control and custody of his child because they wanted to do gender reassignment and he was against it and the court ruled against the father's wishes, et cetera. We've seen these, this slow creeping move towards a very, very dark reality when it comes to the way the government is going to be dealing with us. So what do you think about these bills? What's most important? Let's get into it. Well, for for me, uh, I talk about I should have on the list of things that I normally talk about on my podcast, I should add guns in there because I do. I talk about guns a lot because I think fundamentally the uh, the Americans figured it out right from their confederation is they figured out that they needed to be able to have the means to have a, a an armed populace to be able to fight a tyrannical government. Their their revolution was born on rebellion and and our uh, you know sovereignty and, and our constitution was born on bending the knee to the crown. So we are so culturally different. But I think for me, that is like if there's a single issue that I want to vote on, it's, it's voting for firearms. So what you see right now with Bill C-21 is the liberals basically going to they're going to outlaw everything. They have added so much things, so many things to the amendments to Bill C-21 that it's they're like, we don't even know what's going to be banned. They just it's it's vague wording and it's all to just be able to remove se essentially semi-automatics from from people owning them. They already banned handguns. They banned so-called assault style rifles. There's an outright attack on firearms. It's not just about hunting anymore. They they're doing that for a reason. And again, if you look under section 16.4 uh, of the UN SDGs, that it outright says that they want to disarm the population. So it's no mystery what's going on here. But then you see, uh, to bring it kind of back to Scott Moe, Scott Moe uh, proposes the uh, Saskatchewan Firearms Act, which is a gun control bill. If you actually read what's in it, and I actually emailed the the chief firearms office of Saskatchewan with, and I got no reply, but what what's in there is nothing that's going to defend Saskatchewan people. All it is is a fancy headline and then exact wording of basically gun control. You know, so the government isn't coming to help you. The government is causing these problems. And I think one one important thing is when we're you know, when you're out there talking to people, you'll be surprised with how many how much more people actually agree with lots of the things, too, uh, at least where I live, you know. But when we're looking at lots of these bills, it's complete overstep. We have a government, a federal government that is wanting to institute itself in every single aspect of it of, of our lives and it started with something as simple as socialized medicine they're saying okay you know you can go to an emergency room for free you're not going to have to worry about a bill well all of a sudden there's no accountability to where the government is actually able to dictate whether you live or die whether it's through denying treatment or outright um, forcing the medical assistance in dying. It's almost like they're trying to force people's hands, especially they're going to start pushing this on the mentally ill in, in three and a half months, right? So it's, it's no mystery what they're trying to do. The problem is, is when we're, we have people in there that are not willing to actually stand up and, and, and vote their values. And if their party is saying, you're voting this way, we don't have anybody in there that's saying, no, I refuse. It's not in the best, uh, in the betterment of my constituents, right? And I think that's one value of the People's Party of Canada is everything that they talk about, they talk about personal responsibility, freedom, but it's value-based, right? And I think that's something that is definitely missing with lots of people that just go into a voting booth, aren't politically engaged other than what the mainstream media is feeding them for the 30-day election cycle, and they go vote for a color, right? 
we need to have people that are more engaged in understanding what is actually going on. So shows like yours, shows like mine is really important. So it, it, it's, you know, to the listeners, share this stuff out because it's important information that I think will resonate with more people than you know. But the, I mean, Bill C-11, when YouTube is against a government bill, you know that it's bad news, right? I can't actually believe that. I see ads on, you see ads on Snapchat or or on, on when you're watching YouTube. YouTube is against a censorship bill and YouTube is the number one censor in the game for censorship as far as video content goes. It's absolutely insane that, that they're against this. So you know that's really bad policy and what i mean i am an anarchist so i don't want i don't like the state having control of anything but you see that what's happening right now and people are blindly supporting it is just more government more government more government well and i think that's based on the fact that government has a fancy red bow wrapped sales pitch of handing people the illusion of security and safety and we're going to take care of you and we're going to have a nice warm hand on your back for the rest of your life, which ends up becoming a straitjacket. Um, and so they're just really good at the narrative. They have good PR. They just have better PR. That's all it is. Most people, if you sit them down, like you were mentioning, and you go through the details, the fine print of the bill, because again, just like with media articles, you can't just read the headline. You got to get to the fine print. You got to get to the sources. And when you read the fine print of a lot of these bills to an average Canadian who's just hearing little whispers about it from the media and not thinking twice, they would agree with you about why this is dangerous. Um, yet they're just not at that stage. So many people are just not at that stage. And that's why we need content creators like you, man, getting it out there, getting detailed, uh, bringing guests on to break it down so that it can be simple and easy to understand. So, you know, keep pushing that. And I agree with you on the firearms, uh, bill. This is just egregious. We saw this coming a long time ago. Um, I'm a fire. I have my pal. I've been shooting for a long time and I'm still pretty novice at it, but we just go out and work the range. And I've got a few friends that do the IPSC competitions and things like that. I know a lot of police officers and former snipers and things like that. And they're just like, this is insane. They've never seen anything like this in Canadian history. And it's all being justified on events like what took place in Halifax uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, which there's a lot of questions about um, and many, many other things. And you just start to go, why can't we get, forget about the politicians. They're all just reading scripts. The average Canadian that's taking those arguments back to you and saying, well, we got to stop all these shootings, Zach. So the only way to do it is to have governments, you know, use its power to restrict people's ability to get access to firearms. And you're like, why isn't the most obvious argument in your mind right now that when the government comes in and puts laws in place to stop criminals who don't typically follow laws, that's why they're criminals, uh, what ends up happening is it only punishes the law-abiding citizens that aren't crazy and aren't out there using their firearms in any kind of destructive way. Um, that's kind of my number one argument here, is that all the government is doing is actually creating a bigger black market, and they're not stopping weapons from coming into the country by doing this. It's just funneling it underground, and it's making actual people that want to obey the law and don't want to go on crazy shooting sprees or commit crimes to now become a part of that black market. Do you see what I mean? So what do you say to those people that are still giving you the same talking points of CBC News? Well, I would say, first of all, anytime the government tries to fix anything, they just make the problem worse. So if that's their type of justification, I have no time to, to try to argue with them, first of all. But when we're looking at tangible metrics if you look at more there, there's uh 
10,000 people that the government opted to kill through the medical assistance and dying program in 2021. And there's 300 gun related deaths in Canada. What is the real problem wow. that people are trying to solve here? Are we trying to stop people from dying? Because that's a different conversation than we need to ban guns, right? And I think that that's one point where people really don't understand. And that's why I think it, you know, and you say that, you know, you go shooting with cops, uh, those cops will be the first ones to actually enforce the laws that they disagree with, right? There's, there's the the government's monopoly on violence through coercion of the the, the police system is probably the root of all cause. They're they're the people that uh, forced businesses to close during COVID. They're the ones that are going to comply with taking guns. They're the ones that are going to actually police uh, hate speech online. So if you misgender someone, then they're going to take you to jail. Right. I know I'm being a little bit hyperbolic on lots of these examples, but it's not far from the truth. Right. And so once people realize that there's more at stake than just what goes on in Ottawa with this is you're not we've gone a long way from having people within the community help make it better as far as like a policing. You don't have many beat cops that are walking up and down the street anymore. Right. They're too busy patrolling uh, stop signs and ticketing people so that they can get more money for their uh, for the state. Right. I have huge problems with that. And honestly, things aren't getting better. So when they're saying that they're going to have a gun control bill to uh, to take hunters rifles from Saskatchewan, that's going to cause, uh, you know, reduce crime in Toronto. Everybody knows it's a lie, but they all go along with it. Right. Even, uh, you know, you even see chiefs of police that come out and say that this isn't going to stop anything, but it's they're still going to enforce it at the end of the day. And that was my one big contention with Scott Moe's proposed Saskatchewan Firearms Act is there is nothing in there that is actually going to push back against Ottawa other than, say, remove some funding from the RCMP uh, that the province funds. Right. So if you want to look at it that way, it's not actually going to cause any uh, any solutions for the gun related deaths. And again, that's not even it's it's a fraction in compared to what the government's actually doing with something like the medical assistance and dying. So, you know, I think people, especially around the gun argument, are completely off base with what is actually going on. Uh, shoot or uh you know sports shooters which is a pretty much a dead industry at this point in time but your people with pals and our pals are some of the most vetted most safe and in, safe individuals in canada we're not the ones that are going to, to going out and, and doing crime sprees like that right you have a drug and gang problem um which also has a spillover from some immigration problems that's going on in toronto that's the root of the problem but the the liberals and the conservatives ultimately don't want to address that either right the conservatives almost have golden handcuffs in the fact that they can't actually speak out against lots of this stuff because they know that'll hurt them in the writings that they seek. They seek the GTA. Aaron O'Toole did that, and I guarantee you that Pierre Polyev will do the exact same thing. They're going to ignore the, the, the plights of the West at direct sacrifice towards getting seats in the GTA. Right. There's a there's a, an election, a by-election in Mississauga on right now. Right. And who did the CPC choose as their, the person to run there? They chose a cop. Right. There's reasons that they do certain things so that they can get people uh, that are viewed as um, leaders as far as community involvement. But more the more cops that we elect as MPs, it definitely doesn't benefit us as far as you see what ha like someone like Bill Bear, Bill Blair. Right. So even though they do wave the conservative banner, it's a conservative in name only, in my opinion. Oh, you're so right about that. And, you know, even to the, some of the 
friends that I have that are cops. Um, and I'm not against cops or anything like that, but I'm definitely against people that are going to follow orders against their own conscience. Uh, that puts you on the wrong side of history and you're betraying your country, period. So if any cops out there that are promising me, oh, I'll never support that, um, and then you end up doing it, well, we're going to have some words. But for those of you who are willing to take a stand for freedom and you know what's going on and you're willing to actually back up your conscience and what you actually believe, then you have full support because um, nobody here wants is advocating for crime. Nobody here is advocating for some kind of revolutionary overthrow or some violence or anything like that we're trying to do everything we can within the law and the problem is they keep changing the law in a corruptible fashion where they're making the good guys into the bad guys and the bad guys into the good guys and so you better pick your sides now because uh you know there are a lot of people in this country that would like to see a peaceful return to some kind of sanity when it comes to this and we would it would be great to have the support of more police officers and military people and government officials. So, you know, this is a call to all of you guys. Search your hearts. Look at these bills. Is this the country you want to raise your children in? Have you studied history? Uh, is it any coincidence that all 100%, no exception, of all the totalitarian regimes that ever took hold in history and unleashed a nightmare upon their population started with gun control and then speech control? And then it moved from there. And then it was resource acquisition and the control of the farmers. And then it was mass genocide and starvation. Is that what you want? Because that's what the globalists want, because they want to rule a heap of ash, I guess. I don't know what their real goals are, mm -hmm. but here we are. Uh, one more. We I just next? wanted to, I just oh, wanted ahead, to jump, jump in on one that. quick, yeah. one quick last comment just on the cops. And, um, as much as I would like to put faith that they're going to do the right thing at the end of the day, you saw during the truckers protest and how that all unraveled with the use of the Emergencies Act, how many people were willing to completely betray their fellow man. There's people just re reaching across saying, shake my hand, you know, and the cops couldn't even do that. And that was before they actually started coming with horses and running down elderly native yeah. women. Right. So it's like to for lots of uh, from my opinion, lots of the cops and the, the policing here in Canada has been completely co-opted. I think the RCMP is one of the most corrupt organizations in Canada, and they're willing to do whatever Justin Trudeau says. At some point in time, there needs to be a breaking point, and I agree with you. I do hope that is sooner than later to where they can join the side that is fighting for freedom, freedom rather than trampling on the flag. Yeah, and I mean, we've got examples. you got the military siding with Bolsonaro in Brazil. I know that's a tricky rabbit hole to go down, but there's that. There's there's been precedents in history where police and military have sided with the people against a tyrannical government and they've stopped it in its tracks and reversed course. So it's not too late. Um, and uh, again, we just need the support and we need more people also from within various institutions to come out. If they know that what they're seeing is wrong, they should come out now. And we need more of these whistleblowers to be coming out. And of course my show and Zach's show is always a platform for you to do that. If you wish um, Zach, we got a few minutes left here. I wanted to just give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more about anything we missed, uh, some of these other bills or anything else that you see. And then what do you see realistically moving forward into early 2023? I mean, we're about to wrap this year. Uh, we've got all these things going on all over the world. But in Canada, do you see any big events coming up? Do you think the federal government's going to make any big crackdowns, big moves out of desperation? Uh, you know, what's your thoughts on how things are going to move forward into 2023? I, I think we're going to see lots of the status quo. Um, you know, right now there's been rumors that there'll be a spring election. 
I'm really hard pressed to believe that that will actually happen. Uh, one main point is because uh, Jagmeet Singh, there's no motivation for him to, you know, break up the current parliament. And he holds the seat of power in Ottawa right now, sadly enough. So I can't see that actually happening. Um, one thing that I, I do see probably more so in the springtime than the winter is if things keep getting worse and there aren't maybe premiers such as Danielle Smith that are willing to push back enough to kind of sway public opinion. Uh, I could I think Convoy 2.0 is completely on the table. I think that there's things that we have learned from the Emergencies Act inquiry. We, we have learned things as far as. Um, how to go about doing it in a in a different manner that uh, won't be subjected to the scrutiny. And it doesn't have to be locking down um, in front of parliament buildings anymore. It can almost be just as decentralized with the same motivations uh, to have a wide, a, you know, a lot more widespread effect right across the country. We don't need to have a convoy come from BC to Ottawa. We can have uh, con mini convoys in the province that will have just as much effect as locking down there and i think that that is completely on the table because one thing i do know and again if you do study history you'll see this there gets to a breaking point for all people it just uh you need to figure out what that is for you and what you're willing to tolerate right now mark friesen says says this best uh, the people of canada haven't had enough pain yet we haven't seen the troubles that many people are you know saying hey this is going to be a problem or that's going to be a problem you need to start paying attention not enough have have experienced that and that's going to cause maybe a little bit of strife and i think the best thing that can kind of come from it is some type of um uh, non-violent civil disobedience and i think that that is completely on the table for 2023 because it's not going to be a COVID lockdown that's going to um, to cause something like this. I really think it's just going to be we're not going to listen to Ottawa anymore, you know, and the truckers, un like fortunately or unfortunately, have probably a lot more power than they realize. And I hope that that was one big takeaway from what happened in Ottawa is that they can actually influence a whole lot. Right. Um, I do have a couple of bones to pick with the trucker leadership uh, from from earlier this year. Um, I don't think B I think BJ Dichter was a fed plant personally. Um, so I think there's certain things that in hindsight, we're going to be able to plan something so much greater. And there it woke up a ton of patriots that started talking about this. Um, you know, trying to get into maybe public office where it motivated someone to get more vocal. And I think that those type of people will be the ones to actually institute change. You'll see, um, you know, someone maybe running for your school board that was standing on, on the street corner in Ottawa and they drove from who knows where in Canada. Right. It, it motivated so many people and had such a strong message. You know, you even saw like Tamara Litch uh, on the in the inquiry telling stories. She was crying on the stand, telling stories about people that were contemplating suicide over the covid lockdowns. Well, when you can't feed your family because inflation is out of control or you're not allowed to hunt anymore because the government took your guns, it's going to piss enough people off. That they're going to want to actually, you know, nonviolently take the boots to Ottawa. 
And I think that once the, you know, if we have smart premiers or at least maybe some smart opposition, they're going to say, you know what, we're done playing this game. And again, we didn't really talk about it nearly as much. It is looking at the art, the lack of articles of confederation. We'll look at the weaknesses in our own charter, section 33, the notwithstanding clause. We're going to take a look at lots of things. And I think one point that will kind of force this to happen maybe in the late spring is Justin Trudeau is going to make a, a huge error and a huge violation. And I think that that is one point where it's it, it'll force people's hands to where they don't want like um, that's the line that you don't cross. And that was their breaking point. So I can completely anticipate things of that nature happening. Um, and, you know, my biggest message is just keep it keep it peaceful when you give the government any type of ideation that you cause a, a, an actual threat to them they're going to crack down hard and then they're going to use that and spin it to make everybody else in the in a peaceful movement look like a villain so i think that that is an extremely point uh, important point to think about when you are out in public talking about this stuff is don't advocate for violence don't try to get other other people in trouble just stick have some integrity stick to your guns and say this is what i believe and this is why and i think that if more people can do that more people get you know be brave and start talking about this stuff um you know and it's not just our government too it's um looking at things like the united nations sustainable development goals and understanding their role to play in all of this too so i know it's a for your average person that works a nine to five it's a lot to kind of take in and to try to sort out and reconcile with but there are some good people online and like yourself that have fantastic shows that kind of go through all of this stuff and are, is able to provide that type of information. And I think that right now people are almost starving for the truth, but it's hard to shake when you're being condemned by everybody else around you. So to those people, I'd say just stand strong, find people that are supportive of you and listen to people that are, you know, that you can trust and are bringing this information to your to your betterment, essentially, right? We don't want uh, people to be misled. And I think both of us do a, a great job on trying to fact check and making sure the information that we're presenting to people has merit and is, you know, is, is properly cited and evidence so that they can take some of the information that we're talking about and say to their families and say, Hey, this is what I've been talking about. Here's, you know, here's the receipts for all of it. And maybe if you're able to do that, then you're able to convince, you know, your inner circle and that spreads to their other inner circles. And all of a sudden you have a lot more people, you know, instead of however many truckers and protesters there were on Ottawa, you know, you have 10 times that amount completely decentralized right across Canada. At that point in time, the federal government can't keep doing what they're doing. Right. And and that'll send a huge message. Uh, you know, I think the truckers sent a huge message and I think it could be even greater. So I, I anticipate things along those lines in 2023. Um, I don't think things are going to get better. I think things are actually going to get a bit worse, but it's just how people are willing to react to that in a positive manner to be able to make the change that they actually want to see. Really well said, Zach, man. So much good stuff there. And um, this was just such a great conversation. You really are very eloquent in breaking it all down. And you're welcome back anytime. Let's team up, man. Saskatchewan's the dear place to my heart. And uh, any way I can help, I'm here. And then just real quick, you mentioned that the notwithstanding clause, I guess that's one of the things that's an issue in our charter. What was it was the number article 33? Is that the number of it? Uh yeah, I think it's I think it's thirty three point one. It's really I have a, I have the charter up on my wall. I can't really read it from. I'll uh, check it out. I just think that's I think it's section thirty three. That one. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like, honestly, what going back to what Zan had said last week, it's like everything that they've done as far as setting up our country the way they did, it was it was by design, like putting the notwithstanding clause in there yeah. completely allows the government to do whatever it wants for any reason. And as long as that's in our charter, if we hold the charter to be true, then we're in for a lot of problems with our government. Well, we need to put them on notice that they're in trouble with us in a legal, nonviolent way, of course, um, where we're just not going to take it anymore because this is our country. It's not their country. And mm -hmm. um, that's what this is about, is trying to wake people up to remember how powerful you really are um, and that the only reason these people have power is because we have given our power to them. It's, uh, it's really as simple as that. So we just got to realize that, take it back, and uh, we can turn things around. And with people like you out there on the battlefield, Zach, we've got a praying chance. And so I'm here in the fight in Canada. I ain't going anywhere. I know you aren't. Let's do this again sometime, brother. Best of luck to you and your show. Please let people know where can they find your work? Where can they listen to your great podcast? Uh, you can. I would recommend everybody go subscribe to me on Rumble. I post exclusive content there called Shorts, where I talk about spicy content that would get removed from YouTube immediately. So, last couple ones that I've talked about was the depopulation agenda, the globalist agenda, and uh, I did a. I talked about the uh, documentary Died Suddenly. So, lots of stuff on there that is exclusive to Rumble that would get pulled from other other places. And I have had some YouTube bans and some stuff removed there. So um, yeah, check me out on Rumble. That's where I post most of my stuff. You, you can also find me on Instagram uh, at Schmidt House Productions. I have some other, some bigger plans for 2023. I want to do uh, you know a documentary or two, much like you are doing uh, about some things that interest me. So uh, expect uh, a couple of different things from me in 2023. I'm excited. Uh, I've been doing this a year and uh, I'm just really excited and uh you know it's when you kind of look back you start seeing it's like man did i ever suck those first couple ones and it just continues to get better so i'm excited to see where where this will take me uh you're doing a great job and don't worry about the i've got shows that i wince at too in the past it's all about creating yourself into this uh truth warrior and that's what it's all about and you're doing good and i want to support you and help you so any way i can do it you let me know Thanks for joining me, Zach. So much great information. Go check out his podcast, guys, the Schmidt House Podcast. I've linked it over on my Telegram. Uh, go follow and support this man's show. We're fighting hard for Canada. And it's a great example, even if you're living somewhere else in the world, as to what you can do locally to be proactive in this fight against tyranny. So uh, freedom is going to win. Truth is going to win. Stay tuned, guys. I got a lot more coming your way. We're doing part two with Zan up north next week. It's going to be the last show of the season. I'll be back again in 2023. And again, stay tuned for my announcement of the upcoming chapter nine, which is going to blow your mind, hopefully uh, help wake up some of your friends as well. And uh, you can get that all over right now at cultofmedics.com. Well, not chapter nine just yet, but very soon. That's where it's going to be. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Zach. We're signing off and we'll catch you guys next time. Cheers, everybody. Thank you, David.